personally, I think that the, the future of crypto is bright, despite all the meekness uh, and all the regulatory <laughs> scrutiny and, and doubt that we are going through right now. Hey, everybody. Tanner here with Wagner Ventures. On today's episode, we have Elena Natalinsky, founder and CEO of Ironfish. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagner Ventures podcast, where we do snapshots with interesting founders from across Web3. Check out WagmeVentures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it. Selena from Ironfish. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with Elena Natalinsky, founder and CEO at Ironfish. Elena, how's it going today? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for the time. I'm really excited about this chat together. So just to jump right in, I think it would be really interesting here at the start just to learn a little more about the path leading up to creating Ironfish. So, you know, what were you up to? What prompted you to begin thinking about working on Ironfish? Yeah. So right after college, I went to Microsoft because I thought I wanted to have the startup experience and I joined an incubator company or uh, incubator team at Microsoft. Very quickly, I realized that you can't really have a startup experience within such a huge company. Um, and I joined Tilt, which was uh, like, like a fintech company here in Silicon Valley. Um, unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. And uh, Tilt was acquired by Airbnb. And while I was at Airbnb, um, you know, this was the 2017-2018 era of crypto the entire, you know, Silicon Valley, San Francisco area was kind of buzzing with people talking about crypto. So the way I got into it is um, I went to a dinner at uh, at a friend's house. Um, this friend, his name is Juan Benet. He was working in a company or on a, um, I guess, project called Filecoin, a company called Protocol Labs. And um, again, this was the 2017 era and everyone there was talking about Ethereum before I even knew what that was. Um, and, uh, I was really inspired to learn more. Uh, the very first Ethereum hackathon was announced in, uh, 20, I think 20, 2017, 2018 era, which was ETH Waterloo, uh, University of Waterloo. This is where CryptoKitties made their debut. Um, and I went there and I was just really surprised and, um, you know, I felt very welcomed. Um, the community was so open. Um, you know, the story that I, that I like to share quite a bit is, uh, at the same hackathon, it's 3.30 a.m. I can't get my MetaMask integration to work. And Dan Finlay, who like wrote MetaMask, uh, actually helps me debug my own project at like, you know, 3.30 a.m. Oh, wow. I felt, I felt like this community was just so, so open. Um, and everybody that was there, like Vitalik was there, his dad was there, like Maker Dow, like all the major projects were there. Um, and the same kind of story kept happening over and over and over again. After that hackathon, I started going to more meetups, talking to more people, reaching out to projects that I thought were interesting. And everyone was answering back. Like, um, you know, how I got into zero knowledge proofs in particular is I thought the tech was really cool. And I reached out to some of the people in the space that were experts at the time and, you know, still are. Um, so, for instance, uh, the Zcash of founding scientists um, actually helped us understand how zero knowledge proofs worked and how sapling the, the protocol worked you know, back in 2018. Um, and it just felt like a really special environment. And so in like mid 2018, I uh, quit my job um, at Airbnb and took like six, nine months to really understand what I wanted to do here. Um, and it felt like the biggest thing that I could work on with the most potential 
uh, was privacy. Uh, nobody was, well, not nobody, but very few people were focusing on privacy. It felt like such a huge opportunity given where the space was going. And the tech behind it, you know, using zero knowledge proofs uh, is really, really cool. Um, and so roughly in 2019 is uh, when I started the project um, that is now called Ironfish. It actually went through uh, kind of a revamp, so to speak. Um, and so the code base is like two and a half years, but the company is actually four years, uh, primarily because our path here was somewhat nonlinear. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's super interesting. So for anyone who's unaware, can you give people a quick snapshot of what Ironfish is and what it's all about? Yeah. So again, our mission from the from the, from the start was how do we bring privacy to crypto? What I thought was really strange is, you know, we're we're talking about crypto as the next generation for uh, for a platform for payments, but everything is transparent. If I were to send you a Bitcoin or an Ethereum, everyone in the world sees that my wallet's and your wallet's some amount. And for Ethereum, it's actually I think even um, even more drastic because it's not just payments; it's uh, it's your your investments, but also the interactions you have with you know exchanges or smart contracts or, or DeFi protocols. Um, and so, you know, privacy just seemed like like such a huge thing. So that's kind of where we started of like, how do we build a blockchain that has private transactions? And since then, we've actually evolved Ironfish into something more. So Ironfish today is still a layer one proof of work uh, blockchain where every single transaction is fully encrypted meaning that it is private, hiding all the sensitive information about it within a company's zero-knowledge proof. Now, what we did was we added custom asset support or multi-asset support so that users can create their own assets. And we did that primarily so that we can have bridge operators bridge Ironfish to and from other chains, primarily transparent chains, so that we could actually transfer assets from chains like Ethereum onto Ironfish, uh, and those assets could live in a fully private layer. So what we're doing is we're effectively building Ironfish to be the privacy layer for Web3 that's chain agnostic um, and kind of building out that protocol from from the ground up so that privacy is at, is at its core. Love it. Okay, so one thing I'm always fascinated by is people taking big swings at meaningful problems that could have lots of second order effects if executed successfully. So I'm curious, like what second order possibilities had you most excited when you first started working on Ironfish? And maybe how has that evolved a little bit too? Well, I mean, I think I'm going to talk about the use cases first. Some use cases that, you know, we kind of expected and some use cases that we did not expect and still building towards. Um, so when we, we talked to people about like Ironfish being this privacy platform for Web3, you know, one person said, I would be super excited to bridge Ironfish to Bitcoin because that would be the first opportunity for Bitcoin to have or to live in a fully private environment. So again, right, right now we don't have private Bitcoin. That is one way to do it. Um, private stablecoins. There's been a ton of projects that have kind of attempted this. I don't think we have a solution that really works yet. So having like a like effectively a private digital cash uh, with stablecoins and Ironfish, that's the use case that people are super excited about. Um, private DAOs. So, you know, a lot of times people want to be a part of a DAO, but they don't want to have that information be publicly available because, you know, for whatever reason, let's say you're part of a DAO that has uh, political connotations, for instance, and you just don't want that information to be public. Um, Private ownership of NFTs is quite, is another one that we've heard quite a bit. Um, And, you know, you you could potentially solve with Ironfish, you could actually potentially solve it with with something else. Um, But having the ability to kind of have this NFT without the world knowing that you have it, 
you know, maybe because of OPSEC, maybe because you have this NFT primarily for investment investment purposes and just want that information private for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, that's definitely like kind of this basket of use cases that they were going after, basically providing transactions, uh, the ability to be completely private. Um, now, the other secondary effects, I guess, of Ironfish that I didn't expect as much. So Ironfish is a proof of work chain. Now, when we look at kind of new layer ones that are coming out today, you know, I don't, there's not many layer ones coming out today that are proof of work. <laughs> Most of them are proof of stake. And so it's kind of an anomaly that we chose proof of work, um, especially given the timing of when we're, when we're launching. Um, I think it's actually been a huge benefit for us to be a proof of work chain. Um, and one way we look at that is decentralization. You know, it's it's there's a lot less friction for someone to enter the Ironfish ecosystem since we are proof of work. All you all you need is a laptop. Uh, you can solo mine. You can join a mining pool. But the level of friction for a new person to join the network um, is very low. So that part was actually, I think, very good for us. Um, we have, you know, we have uh, professional miners mining Ironfish today, and we have got to know some of them. Um, and it's really kind of great to see to see that community being formed. Uh, again, not something I expected. Um, you know, we actually launched Ironfish on April 20th, so roughly two-ish weeks ago. Um, and kind of seeing that mining activity and the mining community being formed has been uh, definitely unexpected, def- definitely humbling, um, and kind of a great to see that, that activity happening. Yeah, I love it. So I'd love to hear maybe a couple reflections on the journey thus far as you're coming up on several years in the game with Ironfish. So maybe first, like what were some of the earliest challenges and how did you and your team think about solving those challenges? Yeah. Um, so again, we've always kind of been on this mission of how do we bring privacy to crypto? Um, and at first we thought, what you know, what if we build a better layer one uh, that has you know, better usability features, like better wallet supports and so on um, that, you know, also supports only private transactions. Um, and then we quickly, we quickly pivoted towards making Ironfish more a privacy platform. Um, but it kind of, you know, all the same challenges um, that we faced early on, you know, we still have to solve today, even though the, the goal slightly shifted. So for privacy in particular, one, it's technically difficult um, you know, back in the day when we started, it was not super clear that zero knowledge proofs are the way to go. Uh, I think it was clear for me, but I think people were still trying to figure that out. Um, but, you know, how do you build a product that is fast for people to use, um, that is actually convenient and at least as convenient as the transparent solutions? Um, like that is that is a pretty huge challenge, honestly. And then the second, you know, order effect is um, like, how do you build the tooling around it again to, to make sure that people can, can use it easily. Uh, and then launching a layer one by itself has been like fairly challenging too. <laughs> I think it was yeah. a pretty humbling <laughs> experience to, to understand what it takes in terms of orchestration to actually launch a layer one um, and how the community forms around it. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot to talk about there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fascinating though. So maybe similar question too, like what have been maybe one or two key surprises while building Ironfish and how have you and your team adapted to those surprises? Um, for layer ones in particular, there's just so many technical challenges. Um, so you think you tested everything and then you launch and you realize, oh, I would have never caught this bug un- un- unless I, you know, unless I shipped it to something. Um, so, you know, our very early test net, which was not even, it was a public test net, it was not incentivized. 
um, you know, it actually fell over in three days. This was in April of 2021, I believe. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and part of the reason is like blockchains are very complex, especially like layer one proof of work ones. Um, you know, you, you launch something, you realize, oh, syncing is a big issue. Uh, and so I've actually seen this in other projects uh, again and again, where other projects, you know, the first time they launch their test net, it typically does go down pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. um, primarily because it's a very humbling experience to, to understand that there's so many things that you would not have even thought of testing until you launched it to like a bigger mass. So for our first one that fell over in like two, three days, we had roughly 500 nodes, which was more than we expected. And our syncing algorithm just wasn't wasn't good enough. It didn't it didn't handle the load, um, and so we we actually brought down the network. It took us several months to fix it, um, and then we launched our first incentivized testnet a couple months later in December of 2021 um, to kind of like prove out that it, that it does work. So our testnet has been running from December 2021 to uh, to March of this year. So it's one of the longer running testnets, um, and primarily because you know we. We kind of understood very quickly that in order to really test Ironfish, in order to really test a layer one, you do just have to launch it out in the wild <laughs> and you do have sure. to create incentives within your incentivized testnet system such that you kind of uh, you lead the behavior of your users to a certain direction that actually stress tests the system. Um, an example of that is for our second testnet, we incentivize people to send transactions into host nodes. And so by the time that we reached our third test net, we had 60,000 nodes online, um, you know, sending close to 40 million transactions over that, over that time period. Um, and so we like really just stress tested the system and that's what we were able to, to figure out if it works. But in terms of, yeah, this, the surprising thing is um, that layer ones are just launching uh, networks like this definitely have what's called like the butterfly effect, where you have a small action or a small change that you might have introduced in the code base that has drastic effects once you launch it to several thousand nodes, right? Um, and so that was, yeah, there's there's been a couple examples of that <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. So your website has some comments about how uh, I think the language was privacy coins have faced an uphill battle gaining adoption in the face of government regulations. And also, they have often been banned outright or their tokens removed from exchanges. And so I think one question I had is, what does that journey look like uh, for Ironfish? And are there any lessons for successfully navigating tricky regulatory issues that may be useful to other founders or teams in the space? Yeah, I mean, what we so we did, ta- uh, we did talk to some former and acting regulators and policymakers. And the bottom line is everyone has good intentions, um, so I think like everyone kind of has to, you know, take that into, in, into their kind of calculus. Uh, people are trying to protect consumers. They're trying to protect people investing in crypto. And so that, that's kind of the, the mindset that they're coming from. Um, in terms of privacy in particular, you know, it does kind of, you know, um, uh, act on, I guess, matters of national security and money laundering and kind of uh, that realm of things. And so when you're talking to these regulators, they do come from a good place of trying to protect regular, regular people um, and, you know, in the country at whole. So, um, so for us, you know, the story that we are, we're kind of pushing is privacy does aim to protect the consumer and it does actually provide safety and protection to, to people who use crypto. Um, in fact, what we're building at Ironfish is more analogous to the non-crypto financial system that we have today than any other crypto project. 
So for instance, you know, if you, um, if you buy a coffee, you know, you're the, the person does not get to know everything uh, about your financial history. Um, and for instance, if you are a suspicious actor, your bank would get a subpoena or a warrant so that the bank would provide the audits necessary for law enforcement to figure out if you're a bad person. Um, and so for, for using something like Ironfish, which is a privacy coin with a view key, that would actually get to uh, get to that end goal. So it's, again, more analogous to the non-crypto financial system than any other crypto project. Um, view keys basically allow the holder to give full transactional history for that account. So in a lot of ways, having view keys on something like a crypto wallet is way more accurate and beneficial to law enforcement than, let's say, like finding cash from like a like a drug bust or something. You can't, you, you can't interrogate cash. However, you can actually get the full transactional history of a wallet using this view key. So in terms of like how we position Ironfish, again, it's just this really strong message of we are trying to protect the consumer. We're really helping the crypto user get better safety and get better get a better protection without leaking their you know financial uh, financial sensitive information. Um, and in terms of talking to regulators, it's just really kind of sending this message that not all privacy protocols are the same. Different privacy protocols are taking kind of different paths for how to provide privacy, but also how to provide these compliance tools. Um, and so, you know, the devil is really in the, in the detail in terms of like understanding how different how these protocols differ. So I think that actually has been working pretty well in terms of our conversations um, of really kind of helping people understand that Ironfish, you know, we're, we're working like super hard, not not to uh, not for the North Korean hackers, um, but we're working super hard to protect the average crypto user. Love it. Yeah. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your feelings on the state of crypto in general right now, where I think I'm curious, you know, it sounds like privacy would be one element you would have you would identify as kind of a missing ingredient to sort of the classic idea of like, how do we onboard the next, you know, mm-hmm. billion people into crypto? I'm curious if there's any other missing ingredients and just in general, how are you, how are you thinking about the space these days? I mean, I think crypto is actually catching on. Um, there are more and more people being onboarded every single day from different avenues. Either people are interested in DeFi or stable coins or NFTs or speculation or, you know, investment or remittances. I think that's actually starting to catch on. Um, you know, like there's so many great projects working on so many kind of avenues to help grow crypto. Obviously, scalability is one. Um, when we started in the space, zero launch proofs were pretty much analogous with privacy. So it was really hard for people to, for, uh, for us to, to uh, explain to people that zero launch proofs are just a way to prove honest computation, not necessarily privacy. And nowadays, if you, if you talk about zero launch proofs, people think that it's analogous to scalability, which again, Zero launch proofs are just kind of a tool um, that can be used for something, scalability or privacy or many other things. Um, But, you know, these projects, again, are helping crypto uh, uh, to become more accessible um, and to have better user experience. And we even have, you know, kind of bigger financial institutions like EY and Visa um, have their own internal crypto teams, which is pretty validating to the space, I think, that, um, you know, that it could be an avenue that would replace like the, the fundamental payments platform that we have today. Um, nice. Yeah. 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 Super interesting. So if I were to say the future of crypto is blank, how would you fill in the blank? Or, you know, maybe in other words, like what are the most important or exciting directions you see happening from your vantage point, which is kind of a unique one? 
I mean, I think like regulation is definitely one of one of them. I mean, firstly, I think that the the future of crypto is bright, despite all the meekness uh, and all the regulatory <laughs> scrutiny and and doubt that we are going through right now. Um, you know, I think we are figuring out, uh, and by we I mean like globally. I think different countries are figuring out regulation for crypto quite differently. Um, but it's kind of it's it's we've kind of it was this, this question that was unanswered. And I think now because of all this regulatory pressure, it's being really forced to be answered. Right. And so right now we're still in this like purgatory of like, what is it? Is it security? Is it a commodity? Like it's taxed as a property, but then the SEC says everything's a security. Like, how do I get it? How do I go about this? Um, right. <laughs> and in terms of stable coins in particular, you know, it's, I think stable coins are, um, you know, such a such a gift to U.S. dollar. Honestly, like right now, there's been a lot of kind of a criticism of the U.S. dollar that it's losing its world reserve currency status. And yet, you know, if crypto is the next frontier for payment systems, all stable coins, at least all major stable coins, are denominated in, in USD. I mean, even a um, you know. You can say whatever you want to say about Terra Luna experiment, but one thing that I want to point out is that even a project from from Korea, uh, you know, chose to denominate in, in USD. Um, so it, it kind of like shows that crypto is really giving USD this this, this immense gift, um, and we as the US regulatory kind of regime are trying to to kill this entire industry within within this you know within the within US, which I think is. Um, uh, you know, not sustainable. And I am very hopeful that, um, you know, the US regulatory kind of regime is going to figure figure things out. Um, so, you know, I'm actually fairly optimistic in terms of um, it's, it's bringing a lot of questions to, to the spotlight. And I think like other countries like UK, for instance, or EU in particular, um, have had some uh, a lot clearer laws around crypto. And I think that's hopefully going to directly or indirectly inspire the US to do the same. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so maybe two last questions here, Elena. Um, first question, what advice would you have for founders building in the crypto and blockchain space right now? Uh, maybe if you were kind of speaking to yourself a few years ago, what advice would you want to impart to yourself kind of on behalf of all, all founders listening? I think like still ship fast. So for us, you know, it, like the code base is two and a half years. The project is roughly four years. And part of the reason is I felt like we needed to be super careful, like we're building this layer one, it's a privacy protocol, like everything has to be perfect. And so part of the reason why the code base is two and a half years is because we effectively rewrote Ironfish. <laughs> um, and um, I think the biggest advice is, you know, yes, you're dealing with crypto. Yes, you need to go careful in the sense that a bug could be pretty, you know, pretty devastating to a project. But shipping fast is uh, is such a huge advantage. Um, again, like one of our you know uh, our earlier test nets, we probably shipped a little too fast because they broke pretty quickly. But we learned so much from from the community actually using the product that we're able to iterate a lot faster. Um, so you know, in terms of all the test nets that we've launched, when we launched mainnet on April twentieth, it was the smoothest launch we've ever had. Even though our hash power was something like two hundred times what we saw at peak in one of our other test nets. Um, so just like practicing shipping all the time, um, practicing that muscle of like, you know, getting the news out, getting the word out, building your community and figuring out what path works for you. Um, I think sometimes crypto projects aim to have this like really loud launch where they have like, 
huge amount of press and just a ton of activity and volume. And that could work for you. For us in particular, I think our launch was less loud, but it worked really well for us because we're able to onboard people more healthily. We're able to kind of like get the, uh, provide the support uh, that, that people might need and kind of grow our community at a pace that felt really comfortable for us while also keeping uh, the community really healthy uh, and kind of making sure that people are still focused on the tech and still focused on the mission. Um, so yeah, I think like go fast, <laughs> ship early, <laughs> continuously learn um, and figure out a launch strategy that works for you. Love it. Okay, Elena, uh, what is your team working on right now and what's the best way for people to follow along on the journey? So our uh, our Twitter is Ironfish Crypto. Um, we have most of our community happening in Discord. So in Discord is where we have our announcements for, um, you know, release notes for like things that we have the released in the latest version of Ironfish. This is where if you have any feature requests or questions or concerns, or you just want to talk to the team in general, Discord is the place to go. Um, we are there almost every single day, <laughs> even on weekends sometimes, answering people's questions, um, both from a technical perspective or token, uh, tokenomics or uh, anything about the project or what's coming on next. Um, Discord is kind of where to be. Awesome. Elena, thank you so much for the time. This was awesome. And I really liked the chance to get to learn more about Ironfish. And I think the listeners will too. So have a good rest of your week here and take care. Perfect. Thank you so much.